get full access to RFR only on Patreon. Become a member of the RFR Patreon community to get more Rebel Force Radio. Bonus shows and content are available right now only at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Need a good night's sleep? Casper can help. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash RFR. Use promo code RFR. That's casper.com slash RFR. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. All right, well, everybody's got a Snoke theory, so I, I've i got one now. I've got one. After seeing the leaked publicity shot of Snoke as he's going to look in The Last Jedi, which is the first time we've seen him in a non-holographic form. This is Snoke in the flesh. Uh, but <laughs> Snoke in the flesh. That was the name of my band back in the day. Snoke in the flesh. No, I, I just... The more I look at this picture, the more I realize that I think this is my uh, my grandmother's roommate in the old in the old lady home. Yeah, I, I mean it looks just like her. <laughs> yeah, in the nursing home, I've I've I've, I've seen like ten Snokes, and then I and how how I mean certainly disturbing, but I wouldn't say. Uh, uh, you know, imposing or scary outside of more disturbing. We're going to break that down and uh, the rest of the photos. If you, yeah, I think if you, you blink, you missed them. They were online for a short time and uh, hopefully uh, you know somebody who snagged them. They are still surfacing, but um, they, uh, they're, they're coming down. So if you haven't had a chance to, to see these uh, photos that I'm sure are from some sort of visual guide or some, some book that's been leaked, but they're definitely production, or I shouldn't say production, they're PR shots of various characters. And uh, that and so much more coming up here at Rebel Force Radio this week's show for July 28th, 2017. And this one is especially fantastic because we don't have just one Mac. We've got two Macs in yeah. studio this time. <laughs> and we'll start off with Mac number one, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mac. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. So if there's a Mac number one, there has to be a Mac number two. And here he is, Billy Mac in studio. In the flesh, baby. Yes. Yeah. You got Snoke in the flesh and Billy Mac in the flesh yeah. in the doing, same guys? week. That's fantastic. Very exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Snoke in the flesh, mm-hmm. if those are publicity photos 
you know, you, you see Mark Hamill as Luke, you see Daisy Ridley as Ray, you see Adam Driver as Kylo and Gwendolyn Christie. But we know that Andy Serkis plays Snoke, and Snoke is supposed to be a CGI character. So this isn't like a, a legitimate promo shot. Well, it's I'm wondering. A special effects screen grab of some sort. It you know? is. I mean, this is. Um, look, every it seems like ever with every successive movie uh, that comes out, this screen realistic, you know, uh, ability that they have, or the, the ability that they have rather to create screen realistic. CG characters. I mean, I'm I'm zooming in on this thing, and I've got a, a high def screen. I mean, this looks like a real person. You know what? Totally. Wait a minute. Now that I'm looking at it, could this be Jocasta New? No. Is that your Snoke theory? <laughs> I don't know. I got a lot is of that... them, but they all resolve, revolve around Snoke being an old lady. I mean, she yeah. looks like she looks like she could have been in the Golden Girls or something at some point. I mean. With, especially with that like gold lame, uh, well, see that cloak? that that gold lame had me uh, <laughs> leaning more towards like uh, Lenny from Sha Na Na, possibly a <laughs> little bit, a <laughs> little bit. But uh, yeah, it looks absolutely disgusting. It looks like something I might have coughed up back in the days when I was still smoking cigarettes. Um, Snoke, smoke. Maybe there's a connection there. Somebody said to me that he looks like he's being pulled to the dark side by his skin. So, (laughs) yeah, I guess. But yeah, um, there's, um, I don't know. It's like, uh, you know, he kind of looks like a, like a silly putty. Like his neck is made out of like, you know, when you would like pull and Mm -hmm. snap the silly putty and get it all stringy and stuff. Yeah, or like mozzarella cheese or, or something. <laughs> hey, en- enjoy that pizza, guys. Oh yum, yum. You like those uh, banyan trees from Dagobah. Yes. Yeah, right. Oh, With for the sure. roots and stuff. Yeah. Something uh, Kyle said today. He said, you'll never unsee this when I tell you who Smoke looks like. Stand by. Wait for it. Alan Alda. Wow. <laughs> Wow! It's look, it smashes Alan Alda, uh, maybe a little bit. I, I well, he always told us war war is hell, <laughs> and uh, it looks like Snoke is is taking most of the uh, damage to the left side of his face yeah. because the right side of the face still resembles a human guy. Who does he look like there to you, Bill? When I cover up the damaged part of his face, Tar- Tarkin. He looks like Tarkin yeah, to you. I, I agree. I totally yeah. agree. And I and I don't want to go that route because I don't. Yeah. Believe that theory. Just an impression. But I don't have any. Yeah. I don't have any. It's the lips, Bill. Bill, Bill it's the really, lips and the yeah, eyes. It's the lips. Tight. Pursed yeah. mouth. Yeah, and the blue blue eyes. Did did uh, Cushing have blue eyes? He, he did. I he believe. had blue eyes, right? Kind of a sunken blue eye. That doesn't doesn't have those cheekbones though. But the mouth, that, that really tight-lipped. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something very... Um, I, I agree. Kind of strict tight looking but, about tight him. Tight <laughs> Well, I can understand why... You can't haven't. tell that from the picture. <laughs> I can't. I don't know what photo that was you're a, looking at. Uh, <laughs> weird assessment. But uh, I can see why they haven't released the action figure of this cat yet. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, He still looks like he's under construction. <laughs> Um, but keep in mind, too, that we were introduced to the Emperor in Empire Strikes Back as a hologram, mm-hmm. and we didn't see any action figures for that character until 
Return of the Jedi era. So, as a matter uh, of fact, you know. Jim, I believe it was after the film had sort of run its course at the theaters. It was a mail away yeah. towards the end of that line, and then I believe they re-released him on the on a card for the uh, the Power of the Force line. But uh, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, we had to mail away for him, and and I can sort of see that because when you look at the history of those of those figures, the original. Star Wars figures, you know, they didn't give us Tarkin. They didn't think kids would want to play with a with an old man. Yeah. And as <laughs> as important as the Emperor was, he was also a wrinkly old man. And um, so they didn't put him out, and he was kind of a mail away. So it was like, well, if you really want him bad enough, kind of like the Ray Monopoly piece. If you're sufficiently interested, you can mail away for this. The same with yeah. uh, the Emperor. It, it, it would be interesting. Will Snoke be the same way? I don't know, but you know that that takes me back though. Thinking about that, and I I, I wish you know you got to wonder how much. I mean, I assume these toy people talk to children, or at least <laughs> they did maybe back in the oh, day. I'm sure but they do I focus always, groups, right? I'm sure. I guess I loved uh, the Emperor figure because it had that aspect of it that was like the. Um, like boss character, like you needed you, him. You gotta have to him to kind of complete right. the full scenario. I don't know why they would hold off on that because, I, and I've I've heard collectors say that now. Where it's like, oh yeah, imperial dignitary, emperor, the Anakin, the older Anakin, the Sebastian yeah. Shaw based Anakin mm-hmm. design. You know, they're old men, but it they are like the dude at the end of the video game, so to speak. You know, You're that's right. like your boss character. Mm-hmm. Like you work up. To get that, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, uh, you know, Wizard of War, these old classic arcade games, you'd play them, and then finally the wizard shows up. I mean, that's who those guys are. They're mm-hmm. just very kind of symbolic in that sense. Yeah. They're totems. You got to have them to complete the full. Now, we do know that we're going to get a Snoke Lego figure. If you guys recall, several weeks ago, those were leaked, the images of yeah. uh, some of the last Jedi Lego sets, and it includes a Snoke. And that was when we first got a glimpse of his gold duds. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he uh, actually is far more attractive, I think, in minifig form than he is <laughs> yeah. in the uh, CG. Yeah, there's something kind of harmless about him, but you know that was um, that was obviously a big story uh, last week, uh, San Diego Comic Con, and we got uh, treated to some uh, some reveals. Um, most notably, we had a kind of a last minute exclusive, the six inch uh, black series. Jedi Luke from The Last Jedi, uh, and as yes. he appears at the end of uh, Force Awakens, and Jedi Training Ray, two really which great- are also included among these uh, these promo shots that have been leaked. That's right, that's right. So we have we have several of those. Um, so obviously, you know, action figures and exclusives and all of that. It's a very hot topic right now. We're all anxiously awaiting the official checklist to come out of what we're going to be treated for, for Force Friday 2, coming up in September. What is the date of that? Do we have that? I think it's September 1st. September 1st, Force Friday. I got I to gotta call off work that day. Yeah, that, you're right. You're right. It is September 1st. So just around the corner, uh, about a month away, and uh, we're going to be hit by the what we hope is an onslaught of Last Jedi merch, but... Uh, Jim, as you recall, <laughs> Force yeah, Friday onslaught. one. <laughs> yeah, you went in there, and there were about like you know four pegs worth of figures. Right, sorely undersupplied. Yeah, 
yeah. Hey, thanks for showing up at midnight on a work night. Right. We got nothing for you, but thanks for showing up. Here's a Kylo Ren poster. <laughs> yeah, they, that was you all know, they had I mean, come the, on. Like some of the store exclusives, they just didn't have the merchandise to buy in order right. to get the store exclusive. Um, for sure. But uh, anyway, I, I hope that they, uh, I mean, it's good to see that they're leading right out of the gate with, with Jedi training Ray and Luke. Um, for those of you like me that are trying to collect the entire uh, Six Inch Black Series line, it's very frustrating when they come out as exclusives. We had four exclusive exclusives out of San Diego Comic Con: the the uh, the Thrawn, the Luke with the land speeder and the floppy hat, new sculpt by the way, great sculpt, and uh, of course the Ray and the Luke from the Last Jedi. Rumor has it those will be up at HasbroToyShop.com. Later in September, but uh, you know, if, if you were trying to get them last year, it was uh, it was the the Jin Urso and the Obi Wan, the old Ben. Those were the exclusives, and they were gone. You know, you, you try to get online, the site's locked up, and then you finally get through to the site and you put it in your cart, and then that locks up, and you got to refresh the site and you do it, and you just fight this battle, and then five minutes later they're all sold out, and you got screwed. <laughs> that, that's, that's that's how that story goes. No fan left behind. Yeah, <laughs> no fan left behind, indeed. But I will tell you, sometimes it is worth the wait. I'm going to take you back to Star Wars Celebration and that Celebration store and a couple of exclusives that you might have missed, but we have them right here in hand at Rebel Force Radio. We waited. Jim, you might, Bill, were, I think, Bill, you might have been there for some of this, but we waited in line for mm-hmm. 18 hours. For sure. We didn't even bring any sleeping bags or anything. No, you weren't we just allowed. Stood there. No, no, you weren't allowed. And we waited in line for 18 hours just to get a wristband so that we could wait in line for another 11 hours. It was almost it was like more it was like 11 and a half. Yeah. Wait a minute. Are you are you working this through with the therapist right now, Jason? No, is that this, what this is coming from? <laughs> well, I'm they, on the couch. But this was this is how, how exclusive. <laughs> yeah. It was very yeah. exclusive. 18 Wait, hours so. in line in order to mm-hmm. get the wristbands. We could get in another line for 11 hours so we could sign up for a raffle to get another wristband, which allowed us the opportunity to get in line to pre-order these limited edition collectibles. They were only available via pre-order. Yeah. Wow. And me and Jason knew we wanted to get them right away as soon as they came out, so... So we waited. Yeah, I che- I was checking the mail yeah. like like it was back in the old days with the Boba Fett mail away action figure. I was checking the mailbox constantly, constantly. Yeah. It was like a Christmas story with the decoder ring. Oh, skunked again. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally Mom. showed up, mm-hmm. and um, we want to unbox them on the show. Right. But it's uh, very exclusive from the Celebration <laughs> Store. The uh, Star Wars talking dolls. We have mm. Lando Calrissian and Saw Gerrera. This is so exciting. So what's cool about it is it's like the old school pull string where you would pull the string oh, yeah. and then there was a little mm-hmm. device on the inside that would actually. Like a little, uh, like a little record player. Yeah, maybe it was yeah, something like that. Um, nowadays, they usually do it with you know, microchip that? technology uh-huh. and things like that. But this is, this is an old school it, it, retro throwback. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen General Giant blowing up the old Kenner figures into these big things. This is kind of like that. This is everything old is new no, again. I dig, yeah, I dig that. No, Cheap Trick like released their last album on 8-Track. 
That's true. <laughs> That's there you go. Did they? Yeah. It's incredible. Well, so and cassette. So this uh. is pretty incredible. Um, we have the Lando doll and the Saw Guerrera doll, and uh, we just took them out of the the boxes right now. And the likeness is pretty oh, good cool. on them. Open that package. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Get it off that. Jason's card, got his. Jason has his in hand. Yeah. Right. And so well, it's um, heavier which than one? I thought. Yeah. yeah. So sturdy. Yeah. Well built. Right. Well built. And uh, so, but but what I'm most excited to hear is I want to hear the doll talk. Okay. So um, I think it it came with batteries included, which is rare. Yeah. It's rare. Well, you know what, Jim? But, I don't uh, think these even take batteries. These ones with the with the pull string, I don't think they take batteries. Well, they have to take batteries because if they don't, then oh, our you're bit right, is you're right, go you're south. right. Yep, yep, yep. Two double A's included. Right. All right, okay. I thought so. It's, so. Not totally, I it's not totally retro. If it was retro, then maybe they'd use a nine volt, like the old uh, Imperial <laughs> Transport. Remember that one? The nine volts, and you'd have to test the them by, the by licking it. At least I did. So you know, there's. <laughs> the- you know what? I have a friend that does that. I don't have the. Uh, I don't have the. Uh, the guts wait, to do that wait myself. A minute. Does that make me weird? I'm the, am I the only one that did this? You know, you, no, you it touch just it probably explains tongue. a lot about you. <laughs> no, but I did catch a friend of mine licking a battery. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's. I I can't stand so it. Long yeah, time that was a long time ago. Car battery, Bill. That was. <laughs> Guys, we've been waiting three and a half months right, for okay, these things. Right, I right. want to hear what it sounds like. Oh okay. yeah, totally. All right. So which one? Which one should we do first? The the Lando or the Saw? Well, let's keep it classic. Let's go with Lando. Okay, do it. All right, here we go. You ready? Yes. How you doing, Chewbacca? Are you still hanging around with this loser? Oh. <laughs> it's like a right, right out um, of the movie. But do the Lando again. All right. Let's see what he says next. Hello, what have we here? Oh, man. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Now, what about Saw Guerrero? Okay, let's see. Uh, let's see what Saw got here. Boys! Deceptions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's very good. Wow, he kind of shames you. I've never had a doll that, that did that. <laughs> Especially on the first pull. All right. <laughs> what else has he got here? Every day, more lies. <laughs> wow, he just really like puts you in your place. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real downer, this guy. <laughs> let's let's try Call Saw again. So I guess it, like children are supposed to interact with these dolls, like you said, yeah. Bill. So let me uh, let me ask Saw a question. Like Saw, is tomorrow going to be a good day to go to the swimming pool? Morgullet can feel your thoughts. <laughs> Perhaps Borgullet would like to go to the pool with us. Saw, is that right? <laughs> No lie is safe. <laughs> he's, he's back on the lie thing again. He's calling us out. He's like a, ma- poor he's kinda like a swimming pool. He kind of doubles as a magic eight ball. Maybe we can have Lando interact with Saw. All right. So if you you know pull one okay. and then pull the other, let's see if they can talk to each other. All right, let's try this here. Welcome, I'm Lando Calrissian. I'm the administrator of this facility. And who might you be? What have you really brought me, cargo pilot? <laughs> oh, it sounds it sounds like they're getting somewhere. <laughs> Follow it up. All right, let's, let's see, see what All they right. have to say to each mm-hmm. other. Welcome, Leia. Bogullet will know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the conversation is going <laughs> <up> into 
different direction. <laughs> uh, but that, so very exclusive. Yeah. Very hard you to get. You might not I, have I, even I, known this was out. I mean, you had, I mean, the, the hoops we had to jump through. And there were a lot of yeah. hoops to jump. I mean, as a matter of fact, it was harder to get these than the interview with Dennis Lawson out there. <laughs> Wedge, who doesn't do interviews quite, you know, very often. So No, not at all. But that was the biggest challenge for us of uh, Star Wars Celebration Orlando was uh, scoring the Talking Lando doll. Welcome, Leia. Oh, wait, oh, we got, wait a minute. The, oh, they do repeat. This I is know, the, I know. The vintage let me, let me, let me, technology. Yeah. Sometimes you get the same phrase try, try it again here. two or three times in a row. Hold on. Let's start. How you doing, you old pirate? It's so good to see you. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> And of course, the Saw Gerrera uh-huh. talking doll is. it. We'll know the truth. Oh, that's that's a, that's a popular one. That's a popular one. One more saw. Should we do one more one saw? More Let's saw. See. Right, here we Let's go. Let's do one more All saw. Right. One tends to lose one's mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can see how kids of all ages would just love this, especially the tots. <laughs> Little kids. Does he have the gas mask on there, Jason? Um, we, well, yeah, because we have the, the exclusive po- version. These might be yeah, you actually the pull the later. gas mask. Yeah. Isn't that right? You pull the gas oh, mask, and that's what... Yeah, clever. And then, yeah. yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Very, very clever. <laughs> what do you pull on Lando? Is it? <laughs> Don't ask that question. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> you old pirate. <laughs> you old pirate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool. Well, listen, listen. What do you pull? Listen, playtime's over, okay? <laughs> oh, uh, man. Well, you know what? Well, let's let's put these away now. We'll bring them back out cuz they're supposed to say several things. So, we'll see what happens. We'll just for now, we'll let them just observe the rest of the program. <laughs> oh. They're just sitting there like staring at you right now, aren't they? Yeah, uh, yeah. what's really scary is when they start talking without pulling the string. Like, you know, <laughs> I want to oh, play. Know, that, that reminds me. I, I, I do want to say something, though, uh-huh. because today, I, I mean, this is this is a strange uh, nexus in the universe we're at here right now. When you consider today, we lost a great Hollywood talent in June Foray. Oh. Do you know who June Foray is? Oh, yeah. June Foray was the voice of Rocky the Squirrel on Bullwinkle, and yeah. she appeared in probably hundreds of other animated programs. But she also is, is notable for the time she provided her voice for the classic Twilight Zone episode, Talkie Tina, the possessed talking doll. Oh, my God, who, yeah. Who harassed Telly Savalas with hair. And then I think eventually killed Ter- Telly Savalas. Telly yep. Savalas with hair. Thank you for pointing that out, Bill. <laughs> but yeah, Talkie Tina. So we lost June Foray oh. today, the voice of Talkie Tina. She was 99 years old. And uh, actually, yep. I loved June Foray as Granny Witch from the Bugs Bunny cartoon. She was... Oh, yes. You know, the big, the big green witch. I mean, she did so many incredible voices. I mean... Uh, just, she was a legend. I mean, she was, uh, she was Mel Blanc, you know, in a dress. Mm-hmm. At least I think she wore a dress. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, not around Mel Blanc. <laughs> yeah. But wait, wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> Scratch that from imagine, the record. Wait a minute, imagine that. The two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, that trick never works, Bullwinkle. 
we've lost Jason. Oh God. We, let's uh, let's get back to Star Wars. Oh, oh I want to talk a little bit about real quick. I don't know if you're aware of this, Jason, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I don't think I, I really discuss it very much with you. But Sheldon Sheldon Norton, yeah. the uh, director yeah. of When the Galaxy Listens, mm-hmm. the Rebel Force Radio documentary, which is spun off into a series now. Oh. Well, we've been releasing these um, little mini episodes lately called Origin Stories, and it features a conversation, you, me, and Pete Natal, uh, original Star Wars podcaster Pete Natal, uh, this conversation we had around uh, the table just talking about the history of... Rebel Force Radio and how we got here, you know? Yeah, it's, it was and, uh, so much fun going back and watching these. I forgot so much of, you know, the conversation, but, yeah, I think we were all around my uh, dining room table. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and Pete dropped by, and it was, you know, it's a very rare opportunity to, to hear the story from all three of us at various times. So those episodes have been launching up on rebelforceradio.com, our YouTube channel, and our Facebook page. So if you want to check those out, I'll, I'll release a new one, too, by the time this show is released. This actual podcast is being released. So that way there'll be four parts out there of origin stories. It's a seven-part little mini-series. And it's really cool. It's been getting a lot of great response. As has Rebel Force Radio on Patreon. And the shows we've been releasing, RFR Rush Hour, uh, we've been doing RFR Q&As with, uh, with uh, Patreon community members, moderating the conversation. I have another one planned for uh, next week. And RFR Rewind, where I go through the archives. And uh, so RFR Rewind's going to start hitting a little more regularly in the fall. We have a lot of archives to go through. So in, in putting them together into uh, cohesive shows, um, I'm taking my time with it because I want to make sure we're putting out the best of the best. So uh, those shows are all available on patreon.com slash Radio. And uh, RFR Rush Hour, if you're not aware, is a show that me and Jason record once a week. It's uh, about 45 minutes to an hour. It could have been two hours we... today. I had a two-hour oh. commute home today. <laughs> oh, too yeah, bad we didn't have one planned for today. Marathon. Good old summertime construction. Yeah. But uh, I'll tell you what, um, maybe we'll get lucky next week and have a, a really long show. But we've been doing these shows, and this, the subject matter is Star Wars, etc., is what we say. It's, it's probably been a little more etc. than Star Wars, because we certainly talk a lot about Star Wars on this show. So when we get together, I mean, hey, you know, we could talk about other things. That's right. So, so we were, uh, that's what we use we're, Rush we're Hour We're multifaceted. For. We're not one-dimensional at all. And uh, no, well, no. Um, a little bit, because I'm always thinking about Star Wars. I can't help myself. But uh, so uh, Rush Hour is on Patreon, and the way you can get access to these shows is become a member of the Patreon community. I recommend you uh, go for RFR All Access, which means you can get each and every one of the shows. And we also offer you your own personal RSS code that you can punch into any podcast catcher of your choice, and you'll be able to get all the shows there, just like you listen to Rebel Force Radio on your podcatcher of choice. So uh, that's RFR on Patreon. Uh, You'll find links at rebelforceradio.com or just go straight to the source, patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. And we hope to see you there as part of our cool new community and uh before we get to to the news and the headlines of this week we do want to take a moment and thank our sponsor casper 
the good folks at Casper.com. We've told you about them for a, a long time now. Uh, I sleep on a Casper mattress every single night and have for a couple of years now. This is one perfect mattress. And the thing about it is that it is sold directly to you, to the consumer. This eliminates commission-driven inflated prices and that weird process when you go shopping for a mattress and you go into the store and you lay down on the thing and it's like, yeah, sit, I'll, I'll stay here for about 30 seconds a minute and then decide that I want to spend you know a third of my life on this thing. You don't want to do that. And it's delivered in the mail. They drop it off in a box, like a little box. You open it up and you follow the instructions and all of a sudden, boom, you lay this thing out on your box spring and you've got a mattress that is going to give you probably the best night's sleep of your life. The price, shockingly fair because they are cutting out the middleman. They're selling directly to you. It combines supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface, as we said, with just the right sink, just the right bounce. Um, my wife and I, we've been sleeping on this mattress, as I say, for a couple of years now, and uh, we don't agree on much, but we do agree on the fact that it's a great mattress. Over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars. It's quickly becoming the Internet's absolute favorite mattress. Um, free shipping. That's really important. Free shipping and returns in U.S. and Canada. You can try Casper for 100 nights risk-free, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and they'll refund you every nickel there's no risk they're designed developed and completely assembled in the united states so if you care about that which i know a lot of our rebel force radio listeners do uh, make sure that you give them uh, uh some consideration so we've got a special offer for you right now you can get fifty dollars towards any mattress purchase just go to casper.com slash rfr and use promo code rfr so that's go to casper.com type it into your browser slash RFR, use promo code RFR and check them out. And uh, I, I think Chris Mott uh, just got one. Uh, he, he, Is that yeah, right? He, he uh, messaged me on Facebook. He's like, what's the name of that mattress company you guys work with on the, the, the show? And, uh, Did you give him the, the link with the RFR? Oh, of course, of course. And I said, yeah, you got to go to Casper.com slash RFR and use promo code RFR. And he's like, I'm going to go check mm-hmm. it out. So, uh, but any burst of blood vessel on the way, apparently. <laughs> They're incredible, though. You know, they also have, um, and I haven't, I haven't checked these out. I'm going to have to because if the if the the accessories are as good as the mattress, they've got um, the uh, they offer a, a pillow, an adaptive pillow with similar technology. They've got uh, sheets that are extra breathable, so. Uh, they're really, really conquering sleep. I got to tell you, these guys are great, and they've been around for a long time. And they've been uh, longtime supporters of us here at Rebel Force Radio. So please help them, help us, thank them. Check them out: Casper.com/slash/RFR promo code RFR. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer. I have good news. Well, as we said just moments ago. We've got some uh, really great production photos of uh, some of the principal characters in The Last Jedi. We talked a little bit about, about Snoke, guys, but do you, do you happen to have these photos? And, and Jim, I don't know if they've actually said where these are coming from. I know that they're sort of uh, disappearing on the Internet as fast as they went up, but you know nothing is ever truly deleted from the Internet. 
Um, yeah, you know, it just showed up today on Imager.com, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they've since been pulled down. And uh, we didn't we didn't spread any of the photos no. ourselves because I knew that they uh, they probably shouldn't be out there. Yeah. But I don't think there's anything wrong with us uh, talking about what we're seeing here, since they have been widespread all over the internet today. I think I find most striking though. The new characters called the Praetorian Guards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red, red armor. They have a, a, a battle staff, a bladed battle staff that appears to split in two. There's variations on the different types of helmets they have. And it's just so striking because it's primarily all in red with a black undersuit. But there's no real visor on the helmet. You can see if you blow it up and look real closely mm. that there are these mm. these little black slits, eye slits there, but when you pull back, you don't really notice them. They they blend in almost seamlessly into the helmet itself. Yeah. Their look is very feudal Japan. Yes. Totally Japanese, yeah. Yeah. And the uh, arms. Yeah, the arms you've they've they got kind of a a, a layered um uh uh, armored like scales, scales. What, what do you right? Call yeah, that? kind of a yeah, kind mm-hmm. of a scaly look with that armor sort of laid on top of each other. We've heard the name applied to these characters before as the Praetorian Guards. Right now, I don't believe that we've heard any official source refer to these guards in that fashion, but that's what we've just been seeing pop up on the web and Mm -hmm. in other conversations, what have you. So we don't know for sure if they're going to be called the Praetorian guards in the film itself, or if that can just be a placeholder name because Praetorian guards have its basis in reality and real world reality. If you look back to ancient Rome Mm -hmm. and the Praetorian guards, uh, easiest for me to look up a definition for them is on Wikipedia Wikipedia says, in ancient Rome, the Imperial Praetorian Guards were a unit of the Imperial Roman Army formed of elite soldiers initially recruited in Italy. These units originated from the small group of men around the Republican magistrates known under the designation of Praetor. So they they served the magistrate known as the Praetor. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to assume that they're serving a similar role in the last jedi probably serving snoke right well what is, what is the is there any word origin for praetor what is what is that do we know what that means um or where that comes from um it, it, well it's a latin term praetor which uh probably means uh Magistrate? Yeah, no, no, I no, just, I got it right here. I've got it right here, and this is right off the top of my head, of course. A title yes. granted by the government of ancient Rome to men acting in one of two official capacities. Official capacities. The commander mm-hmm. of an army, for example, yes. or an elected magistrate. Oh, so perhaps they serve Kylo Ren. They might. You know what, guys? This might be a wild theory. I, I, I It might be crazy, but... When I saw these guys, and at first, you know, you, you look at them, you're like, oh, they're like the Imperial Royal Guards. Um, and then you start to notice the differences. And it was uh, our buddy Paul Bateman, who's sort of the, you know, a, a, just a complete savant when it comes to the visuals, uh, uh, the visual language of Star Wars. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows it better. Uh, and he was quick to point out, you know, some of the differences. 
when I started looking at these, and I'm looking at four different sort of helmet designs, I immediately thought of the Knights of Ren that we see in the in the Force Awakens, where you have guys that kind of on the very you know the quick glance look very similar, and then you start to see these um, you know somewhat subtle differences. Could this be sort of the, the the next generation of the Knights of Ren? Could this be surviving members of the Knights of Ren? Is there any connection, perhaps, between these guys and the Knights of Ren? I don't know. I could see it being a, a next generation, and 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 Kylo being kind of the imperial, um, what aficionado, you know, would change their their color to red just to kind of uh, pay further homage to the iconography of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, because the now the correct me if I'm wrong, but the 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 kind of the helmet shape, that kind of like crescent shape that tops the headgear for this mm-hmm. character. Um, you, you do kind of see that in the Knights of Ren, Ren in the, in the flashback, right? Isn't there, don't they have that, but it, like a black version, right. don't you kind of see some of that? I mean, maybe it's not exact, but it's, but, it's hard but to somewhat see. similar in shape. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I'm looking um, at four there, different there versions. That have that? There's, I'm looking at four different versions of the, of these Praetorian guards. Uh, they all have a very similar kind of face mask. But the dome or the top of the of the helmet is what is different. In fact, the front even has that. I don't know what you you would call it, but that little uh, that sort of mouth line that the uh, stormtrooper helmets have, or the clone ah, trooper yes. helmets. I don't know. There is a similarity. A better yeah. term for that. But they all seem to have that in common um, for the most part. A couple of them do. One has more than a, of a rounded uh, sort of top. The other has sort of a, a a larger kind of rectangular top that's sort of bent over the 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 face mask, kind of giving it that sort of dome samurai look. And then there's another one that I don't know how you guys feel, but I think it's sort of like if you took all the detail out of a uh, a Mandalorian helmet or uh, perhaps even a clone trooper helmet. If you took the detail out of it, you've got the same basic shape, that last one, um, or at least mm-hmm. in the order that I have them. So there's definitely echoes and, uh, you know, of, of things that are familiar, but done in a very, very uh, different way. And, of course, they're all wearing some fabulous red skirts. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, they both are holding different sort of battle staves. Mm-hmm. The one has uh, blades on both sides, and then the second one just has... A long staff with a giant blade on the end, a single giant blade. So they might serve two different functions, and that might explain why their helmets look different. Now, in addition to this, I, I don't know, Jim, if if you and Bill have seen these, but there's uh, there been a, there were some leaks of some of the toys, uh, some of the figures that are coming out, and there is one. There's a couple that have been released of the Praetorian Guard. And these look like they might be. I mean, they're real stylized. I don't know what these are. They, they don't look um, sort of uh, film realistic. They, they look. I, I don't want to say they look like Lego, but maybe more like those. You know, the big Lego figures that they have, where you like build a figure, build a character, not the mini figs, but the bigger ones. Yeah, they're kind of like medium sized. Yeah, because yeah, in the early days of Lego, they had. Technic, yes, you know, which were like the right. advanced version of larger. They were almost like twelve-inch figures when you finished them, but they didn't. They didn't have a lot of detail. Now they 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 put out. Um, 
I, I would say they're smaller, medium-sized ones, but with a lot of detail on but them. But when you look at the toy, you can tell that these staffs have areas at the ends, at both ends, where there's a short laser sword that is coming out of them. So almost like a mini lightsaber. If you can imagine, like mm. sort of like the, uh, the cross guards that are coming out of Kylo Ren's saber, something about that length. And, uh, you know, so you might assume that these are... You know, if you so they're sort of like the first cut, so they're like right underneath the 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 the, the blade. So you've got imagine you've got the steel blade, and then right underneath that you have the laser blade or the lightsaber blade. I'm not saying that these are lightsabers. I'm just saying it looks like similar technology based on the, these these toys. Uh, so might they be used to combat a lightsaber, perhaps? Um, you know, we have seen some leaked photos. Or not, I'm sorry, not leaked photos. Excuse me. We have seen the footage from the sizzle reel. I can't tell what's leaked and what's real anymore. From the sizzle reel, where we see in two different sequences, we see uh, Daisy Ridley as Ray fighting off, I think, three different uh, characters with staff-like weapons. And then right, very quickly after, we see um, Ray, or, um, Kylo Ren, Adam Driver, Adam Driver yeah. yeah, fighting oh. off what could be the same people. This has led some people to speculate that there might be a a common threat or enemy that might put Ray and Kylo Ren on the same side, even if temporarily working well, together. I was wondering that. Uh, yeah, because I was wondering that, noting that uh, there were sequences showing uh, both Kylo and Ray taking on these stand-ins with the staffs Mm -hmm. could these be the praetorian guards they could be Mm -hmm. i'm jumping to the conclusion that they could be fighting the same enemy but they could be fighting totally separate enemies too right Um, sure when when i think when i say things like they could be fighting together (laughs) so i i don't know um but that was just a conclusion i jumped to based off the sizzle reel uh praetorian guards are cool I would prefer them not to be uh, CGI. I'd like to see real guys inside real costumes. And just judging by the direction these productions have been going in, I, I would expect that. Oh, you think but, they'll be uh, they'll they'll be real people in the costumes? As opposed, yes, to, okay. I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. You know, in a lot of ways, I think it, it, seeing a character that looks like that, I mean, obviously the comparison to the Royal Guard, it, it almost seems like kind of a make good on the Royal Guard since they didn't, they got so little yeah, action. Yeah, they, they really and, didn't. And, and they Thank were, God they for the had comics originally, because they're the only, you know, that's the only thing that really made these guys into something. Yeah, well, and and of course they were they were so cool looking. I think I think people expected something more, and they 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 uh, apparently had intended more action for them. There is a yeah, there you is know, a some deleted of, some scene. of that shows up. Yeah. There's that deleted scene. I had read about the costume being really difficult for that at the time, though, because if you look at that mask, it was very flat mm-hmm. and very limited vision, but the, the mask was extremely tight, I guess, on the heads of the people who were wearing them. Um, just just pushed right up against their face, and it was hard for any movement, you know, let alone a fight. When I saw it, you know, there's um, there's a line, I think it's Tamashi Nations, there's a, there's a, a, a toy manufacturer that does Japanese samurai versions of Star Wars characters. I think there might even be a, a more than oh, one manufacturer. Right. And so when I saw these, I thought, "Oh, this looks like their take on the on the Imperial Royal Guard." But you know, clearly it's not. Um, these uh, 
Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, I was just thinking that they could be some sort of uh, trainers or, you know, I don't know what. I, I think one of the things we talked about, Jim, was when we were breaking down the sizzle reel uh, from D23, when we saw Kylo Ren fighting these, we thought maybe it was some sort of simulation, some sort of training, like what we saw with um, in Rebels. Like he's got his... He's got his own like private dojo. Yeah, and these are right. The guys in there. Yeah, these are the cats that are in there trying to take him through his paces because we do know that um, based on the dialogue at the end of Force Awakens that it's time to complete Kylo Ren's training, and he tells uh, you know uh, Snoke tells um, what's his name Red Hux Hux. Thank you, thank you, General Hux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who, who's, who's very subtle, you know, very subtle red. in his delivery. <laughs> Yeah. Ginger. Yeah. <laughs> he calls on red. Yeah. Ginger. He, yeah. He says, get Kyle. Carrot top. Bring Kyle Ren to me. You know, for to complete his training. <laughs> um, so maybe maybe it's that. But but they certainly are, are very. I, I got to say, though, you were talking about Royal Garden for sort of, uh, you know, maybe a make good. But uh, I, I think that what George Lucas did in uh, Revenge of the Sith, when Yoda walks into uh, Palpatine's chambers and very quickly dispatches of the royal guards, mm-hmm. it's a little wink, too. Yeah, you thought these guys were badass. Well, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> you know. I was, I was not disappointed with that. Because, true, we have yet to, even this day, see those Imperial Royal Guards do their thing. Right. Outside of the pages of a comic book, maybe. Well, they leave a room pretty good. <laughs> they sure do. Gods. And, and leave us. Leave us. <laughs> so, I recall in the, the, the months leading up to Revenge of the Sith and seeing some photos of those guys on the set and everything, it got me real excited because I'm like, oh yes, for sure. We're going to see these guys show us what they're made of. And uh, then Yoda walks in and quickly dispatches them. I mean, I think one of them lifts up his staff, and that's about the, the best move he can pull. Right. And, and it, was, it was dissatisfying on one hand because the Royal Guards never got their time in the spotlight. But it was so satisfying, on the other hand, to see Yoda just dispatch of them so so quickly and easily you know yeah as mark hamill said in jay and silent bob strike back don't fuck with the jedi master son (laughs) oh hey guys breaking news breaking news this just in from our friends at lucasfilm lego star wars the freemaker adventures returns this monday july 31st to disney xd 6 a.m central 7 a.m eastern so uh, not exactly the uh, the best time slot, but who cares? We all watch it on our DVRs. Yeah, it's anyway. everything's those, time those shifted, you know. Everything is. It seems like my kids don't even. So, have, we, we I took the kids to uh, uh, a, a lake. Uh, my wife and I we, uh, we we got the kids. We went down to uh, in Gloucester, Ohio, to uh, Burr Oak. Lake. And it was we stayed in this lodge and we did some fishing and some swimming. It was a lot of fun. But the but the interesting thing was we get into the room and there's a TV set in the room. And guess what? It's, there's no Apple TV, there's no Roku, there's nothing like that. And we turn on the TV and my son says, Put SpongeBob on. Mm-hmm. And I said <laughs> now. Uh, yeah, I said I said, Well <laughs> what, what do you Damn what it. do you want? I don't I, I mean 
I don't know if it's on. And he looked at me like, what the hell are you talking about? It's always on. SpongeBob is always on. And so I spent time. I said, Parker, you got to understand, buddy, this is TV. This isn't like what, da- what we have at home, you know, where daddy can just pull it up on the iPad or the Apple TV. We're gonna, we, can, we can only watch what's on. Now, oh I have to God. turn it to the channel. I go through this whole rigmarole explaining how the odds are so great that there will not be SpongeBob on. Guess what was on? SpongeBob! SpongeBob! Uh, on Nickelodeon. Yes. They were running a right. marathon. So guess what? It's always on. <laughs> it is always on. So whatever point, yeah, I just went out the window. You know, that's so funny because I think that, like... I was trying to like, explain that to a kid, you know, that it's not time. Oh, and I, I think kids, you know, there's less of a concept of, of time and stuff yeah, I, right. I, than I remember. I think I, I structured my whole life around following the TV schedule in the newspaper, you know, <laughs> sure. and like movie listings. So I always knew what time it was and when I had to be home and all this stuff. Yep. That's gone, you no. know. Yeah. Kids are like, what time is it? I don't know. <laughs> <Does it>, you know. <laughs> Back in my day, yeah. I knew what time it was no, because I had to be in front of the TV you're, set at certain you're times. So Darn right. you could you could tell, I mean, from the time you know, I would get home from school, you know, three o'clock, three thirty, from that time to the time I went to bed, you're so right, Bill. I hadn't thought of that. You knew what time it was based on what was on TV. Even if it was the reruns, you know, the after school mm-hmm. reruns and stuff, you knew. For sure. But uh, so back to the Lego yeah. Star Wars. Though. <laughs> <laughs> On the show that's supposed to be about Star that's Wars. Right. Um, I'm noticing mm-hmm. that uh, the season two voice cast includes among uh, a lot of people returning, like uh, Nicholas Cantu is Rowan um, and uh, Matthew Wood is R-O-G-R, the battle droid. Roger. It also, oh, Roger, <laughs> of course. Um, it also lists Vanessa Marshall as Hera among yeah. the season two voice cast. Now, has she appeared in uh, Freemaker? Because I am, I'm trying to get caught up on these. Yeah, shows. I think she either has or she's about to, um, because I've seen clips of her on the show. So I don't know if she's had a, uh, a you know, a, a cameo or if this is she's going to be a regular character. But it was confirmed. See, now we got to get the timeline straight because. Um, even though the Lego Freemaker, now follow this, uh, gentlemen, even though the Lego Freemaker stories themselves are not canon, they are not canon, but any character that appears in the Freemaker adventures is canonically alive during that timeline. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. The stories themselves are not, but the characters... um, Existing in that particular timeline are canonically in that timeline. So Hera, right. we know, survives. Hera survives. Yeah. So, but yeah, so you won't necessarily oh, be see. seeing a character like Count Dooku pop up in the Freemaker mm-hmm. Adventures mm-hmm. because he's he's toast at this point. Right. I also think Got that him. it's interesting that this is the final season of Rebels. That that uh, great trailer for this season is is narrated by Hera. Mm-hmm. And she's almost talking about all of her fellow rebels in past tense. And we mm. know that she survives into the timeline. Well, because we, I think um, we hear her mentioned in uh, Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see her in Freemaker Adventures. So it's, it's, it's likely that she could be the lone survival of that original rebel cell. Wow. The sole survivor. Yeah. You think they might do a flash forward on us? 
Uh, I mean, that'd be kind of that would be kind of. Cool, I would, you know, you know I would love to see the season open with an older Hera, you know, perhaps looking back and telling us the story of the fourth season. That would be interesting. That would be that would be a fantastic uh, storytelling device, much like the young Indiana Jones mm-hmm. when they brought Harrison Ford back, right. um, or do like a Lost thing where they they open with a flash forward and then spend the rest of the season explaining how that. Scene came to be right, right. I, Lost used to do that some. You know, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other shows that jumped around like that. That was always so you know tantalizing because you, you, they give you a taste of how you know things are going to play out, and mm-hmm. you know it, it gives you something to guess about throughout the entire season. So Hera so is what's one of those characters. I I think um, guys, I think that Hera is sort of in, in, in some ways the Ahsoka of Rebels. In a sense that I think this is a character that there's a lot of uh, internal investment in at Lucasfilm. I think this is a character that they think has a lot of longevity, perhaps, and and someone that they can uh, use. Obviously, she's now crossing uh, properties um, within the Star Wars universe. So this may be the character that they're really banking on to, you know, kind of have a life of her own. And like Ahsoka with... Ashley Eckstein being just such a great spokesperson and ambassador Mm -hmm. for the franchise, you can say the same thing about Vanessa Marshall. She has always been there for fandom. Yeah. So and 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 she just seems like she's just always game for anything, and she's talented as hell. I mean, it's Smuggler's Revenge. I could not believe some of those alien voices she was doing. She's so great. Oh yeah, she's she's phenomenal. She's absolutely phenomenal. Super talented. And as nice as can be. So, uh, so there you go. I mean, it, we may be looking at a, you know having a Hera as a character for a, a, a good long time. That's cool. So something else you need to know about Freemaker mm. is that new episodes debut every Monday through Thursday, and it'll go on for the next two and a half weeks until Wednesday, August sixteenth, and then that's uh, that'll be uh, essentially the end of the season. So. Mm. Set those DVRs Monday, July 31st, 7 a.m. Eastern, which is uh, 4 a.m. Pacific. And uh, you'll be able to watch new episodes of Lego Star Wars A Freemaker Adventure. Or just, I'm or on just buy the season on iTunes and don't worry about it. Oh, they release that all at once? Is that <laughs> well, how not that all works? at once, but you'll get it every day. You'll get an episode every day. You'll get it a day after the episode airs. So the episode airs at, uh, what time, 7.30? Did you say uh, seven a.m. Oh, se- Eastern? Wow, that is kind of an odd time slot. Yeah, you missed the a.m. part. I missed the a.m. Um, but then mm-hmm. you'll get it about two a.m. the next day. So okay, yeah. so, you so just kind of you're fine. Let those accumulate. Um, they're 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 quick hits. I mean, they they go by very quickly. I haven't watched many of them, but uh, I know that my son. He's every time that he's fires up the Disney XD app. That's what he goes to right away, his Freemaker. It's fun. It's yeah. fun. I, I, I let my guard down, and then I, then I enjoy the show. Yeah. The first time I turned it on, I saw Dengar, and he was he, he jumped out of his ship, and he while he's, he's falling, he undoes the bandages around his head and uses it as a parachute. Toilet paper. <laughs> so he, like, comes hang gliding in, you know? <laughs> Bald Dengar, you know, and and I was just, I was like, boy, I don't know if this show's for me, Uh, but 
like I said, ruined your let tanker. it go. Let it <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. It's like what Star Wars Detours was supposed to be, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think. I don't know. I never saw Star Wars Detours, but uh, that's just like my approach to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I'm sure if Star Wars Detours, when it, I think it'll eventually be released. But my, my approach to it will be just put your guard down and enjoy it. Yeah. Don't get all wound up about character legitimacy and authenticity. And <laughs> come on, no, man. It's I mean, Lego. I, we went through a phase in my house, Rebel Force Radio listeners will remember, where we were watching the Lego specials every night. We were watching Droid Tales, we were watching the Yoda Chronicles every single night before bed. We were watching an episode, and uh, I just I had a blast watching those with the kids over and over and over, and we laughed at the same funny jokes, and um, th- they are meant just to be enjoyed, not necessarily dissected and analyzed and um, you know held up to such scrutiny. Um, but anyway, I do want to get back to these uh, these production shots if we can, or these yes. promo shots. So let's talk a little bit about Luke. We see two different uh, shots of Luke. One is of him with a hood up. Um, he looks a little bit more like a green arrow here uh, from the CW series uh, than Luke Skywalker, but he, Oh, a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, I see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's um, like a Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. A little bit of that going on, but yeah, so he's got, dark, uh, this is not the Luke. outfit that we see him in uh, at the end not of at the force awakens. No, this is a, a dark Brown. Um, so hearkening back to the, his cloak that you see him very quickly in, in Return of the Jedi, he doesn't keep that on very long. Just to take it off in the Rancor pit, you know. But well, looks you know, like he's I, he's wearing like some sort of rain poncho over his normal robe, and then there's a shorty. You robe know, you're there. right. It does look it has a little. Uh, you're right. You're right. It makes me wonder if they'll pare that down throughout the course of the movie, like they did with the Jedi costume. I was I was reading that. Um, the um, oh shoot, and I forget the author's name offhand, but the the Star Wars costume book, and it, it was it was very interesting to hear them analyze Brandon the, Allinger. Yeah, Allinger, Brandon Allinger. Um, the they break down the Luke Jedi costume, and I you know I I never really thought about it that much, but there are about like four different pieces that Luke you know he starts off with the, with the cloak in Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a um, like tunic thing. Yeah, he's got the and, tabards, you know, the it, Jedi tabards. Yeah, you know, and that goes away. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a, a shirt that um, that that with buttons across it that that pops open towards the end. Mm-hmm. And you know, it just it, it, so by the end of the movie, the the costume is a very uh, lean. You know. Yep. Uh, a slick. Well, he's got the end or streamlined version of what he he, right. he he has at the beginning. At one point, yeah. So mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if they might take the same approach. <laughs> there are some slight similarities in this costume to that. I think there are a little bit. It's it's definitely sort of the the chocolate brown look, the cummerbund uh, thing, right? And with all the that. with the with the belt. Well, that he but, had a cummerbund. I think there was a cummerbund. There, there was. Then that's what the Jedi tabards. Costume. You know, yeah. the belt. Uh, the, the the tabards went underneath the belt. But actually, Bill, I'm glad you brought that up, is that the the outfit that we see him wearing at the end of Force Awakens, the white robe, is actually a white version. It's like a, a, a photo negative version of the outfit that he's wearing in Return of the Jedi, the high collar and that, um, that snap over uh, uh, shirt. That's what he's wearing, but it's white. 
at the end of the Force Awakens. Uh-huh. This is is uh, perhaps it, it, it yeah you know, it, it's it's similar in some ways, but um, what is that corduroy? What's he wearing there? <laughs> He's got a corduroy shirt on. It looks they get pretty exotic with the materials. They, they sure use. do. But, but this is also also note that his boots are all wrapped up like they were on Tatooine. Good call. In the New Hope. Yeah, good call. Right. Oh. And take a look at that right hand. It's not the bionic hand, and it looks like the thumbnail is really long. What's up with the hand? It's not What's going on gloved. I, I, is it gloved? I can't. I, I think tell. it's gloved. I think there's a brown so leather glove. And okay. I think that point you're seeing is just, you know, where the 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 sew where you know where the seam is at the top that, of the thumb. His thumb looks so funky. Yeah, it does. But uh but those are just my immediate observations on uh on this particular But this looks like a guy that is is trying to hide. This is a guy that's not going out saying, "Look at me, I'm a Jedi." Like mm-hmm. like the other outfit. I I so I think this is um and then we see in the uh, in the other photo, you see him with his with his hood down, still wearing mm-hmm. the long hair. And uh, Jim, it looks like he stole your walking stick from your trip to Southern California. Here, uh, this one's a little bit cooler, though. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's a lot cooler actually. If you, if you look closely, the head of the staff appears to be like a space slug, like what we see in um, Yep, I see in that. Empire Strikes Back. You see that? Yep, yep. It, it could just be some sort of stylized kind of creature head, but that's what it reminds me of is the space slug. Yeah. And then he has some wrappings around the, uh, the staff for grip. Uh, someone was speculating online, perhaps he's hiding his, his lightsaber within the confines of the staff hmm. that perhaps it's hollowed out somewhere and he just cracks off the head of the staff and then pulls out the lightsaber. That'd be pretty dramatic. Note: we've seen no photos of Luke with his green lightsaber or any lightsaber outside the one Ray hands him mm-hmm. Anakin saber. Um, we've seen uh, no, no sign of the lightsaber on Luke at all. So it could be something, if he is indeed trying to hide, a la Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ben Kenobi, then maybe he does have that saber on him somewhere, and maybe it's, it's hidden, like in the staff. When I see this, I, you know, I picture the action figure coming out, you know, Luke Skywalker Outlander outfit, just like how Qui-Gon had that, that poncho and was trying to blend in uh, mm-hmm. on Tatooine. It's what it's it reminds Jedi me. Jedi Outcast. What's that? Jedi Outcast? That's right. Yes. Outcast. Jedi outcast. Know what that means. Uh, so looking at Rey, um, this is uh, the outfit that we see her. This is, the Je- as, as Hasbro's calling it, the Jedi training outfit that you see in the, uh, the San Diego Comic-Con uh, Black Series exclusive figure. You see it feature in the, uh, the sizzle reel from D23. So she's got the, um, the, the tabards, as uh, Bill was describing, uh, Luke having its very quintessential Jedi look that goes uh, across, crisscrosses uh, across the chest and uh, then down the legs. Um, I, what I really like about what they're doing here is you're seeing an evolution. There's, there's elements of the original classic Ray costume that are now being fused together. And just by changing the colors of some of the layers, it, it's you, you see that she perhaps has been wearing a Jedi-like outfit all along in some way. She's yes. still, you know what I'm saying, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's something she's grown accustomed to. She can't let go of the arm wraps. 
Yeah. You know, she's just so so used to him, much like Luke with his leg wraps. She has her arm wraps. And, uh, you know, out th- being out there in the, the sandy desert, she just wanted whatever protection she could have against the climate. And apparently old habits are hard to break for Ray. Yes. <laughs> uh, especially uh, fashion habits. Uh, well, no, I mean, there was no fashion at all about it. It was just no. based in practicality. But if you're going to base your wardrobe on practicality, girl, get a shirt with some sleeves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, what, it's a I cool. I dig look. it. I dig it's, it. She's, it's it's a cool. Let's, no, no, no. let's breathe well. Very let's flexible. let's let's throw practicality out the window and just talk about how badass and cool she looks. She so. looks good. But I I dig the idea of presenting her with some of the 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 elements that we first saw her with. I I always I mean the, these costumes. There's a lot of metaphorical value in them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think with the coloring. I mean, we could we could speculate a lot about Luke showing up in white. And now he's he's in these darker colors and what that means um when i studied education uh you know they they always talked about you know pedagogy which is learning and teaching and how people actually learn and there's so many different competing philosophies about that but one of them you know basic one that i've always clung to is that people don't they they people tend not to just discard themselves and start over they usually take what they have and build upon that and um you know Mm, the costumes that incorporate the older elements kind of symbolizes that i think in a way that she's she's uh, evolving but but she's not just jettisoning her older self you know she's not not just starting over from scratch and wiping the slate clean yeah although there's a lot of um in mythology of like rebirth you know going into the belly of the whale and Mm -hmm. coming out reborn is something new you know this metamorphosis yes but there's something a little more relatable, I think, about a person who kind of retains their older self and, and uses it. Yeah. But the thing that's interesting about about Ray, and we do know that this saga is all about the gray. Remember, this was a big topic of discussion as, as we were uh, leading up to The Force Awakens and then throughout the release, um, that this is, uh, you know, the the... the Classic saga was black and white, literally in some ways, um, and this is more about the shades of gray in between good and evil. And Ray is sort of reflecting that a bit. I mean, um, interestingly enough, I mean you had black versus black in Return of the Jedi with uh, Luke's dark outfit and and Vader, of course. Um, but that you know clearly was meant to be symbolic of Luke's potential turn to the dark side and there was even scripts that were written where luke did turn to the dark side um not so much there was a time well there was um, a there was a concept being george thought about sort of pushed by it was being pushed by lawrence kasdan where he thought it would be interesting for luke to turn at the end yeah i think mark hamill once described it as uh uh, Luke dispatches Vader and then picks up Vader's helmet and puts it on and says, now I'm Darth Vader. I'm Vader, yeah. Now oh, I'm Vader. Can you imagine? Deal with that. <laughs> I'm the so, Sith. Uh, there's, and then there you have your cliffhanger. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Was that your Mark Hamill impersonation yeah, right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was yeah, good. Yeah. That was very believable. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how far that actually uh-huh. went. Maybe not the, to the script uh, phase. 
the yeah the, the the actual plot construction of the the film. I don't know if it actually even made, you know made it into a draft or anything like that. I, I think it's unlikely. But it was the just choice, something that was though, you got to think about the choice of, of keeping Luke in the black outfit. Yeah. Um, you know, and so with this ray, we've got sort of dark gray, light gray, and beige. These are definitely mm-hmm. colors. These are not bold colors. This is not yeah. red, imperial, black, white. Um, these are definitely in the middle. Um, well, she's going through that impressionable period. You know, it's it's like in Jedi when 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 Ben says, you know, this is a this is a difficult or or, or is it Empire where he says this is a difficult, this is a time dangerous for you, time for you. Be, yeah, well, you will be tempted by the dark side, right? You know, yeah, and that and that it, it's such an important concept because we all face these moments where we do have these choices and we in and, and I, I i think what lucas was always big on saying was that with the, as you said the potential the potential for evil and 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 causing pain is is really i mean everybody who's committed evil started out as normal human beings yeah <laughs> like the rest of us i mean they're just even hitler human. was a baby How right they, you know hitler was a right. little baby right. well I, I think that's a, a a thing that lucas wanted to push with the Phantom Menace yes. by yes. introducing us to an Anakin oh, yeah. Skywalker oh, yeah. who was 10 Big years time. old and had a relative amount of innocence and he had a mommy and he loved his mommy and he was compassionate and he was sharing. What, but he was a control freak. You know, there's all these things that caused him to make these choices. And I always, mm-hmm. you know, when I come and I, not to criticize anybody in particular, but when I, when I, when I, when I hear theories or interpretations that tend to kind of shift away from his own choices where these, you know, Oh, the emperor made him do this, or it was, it was so compelling to him that he could never resist. It kind of removes that free will aspect to him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that is so important because, because we, we all face these crossroads in our lives where we could, and the, and the decisions aren't always easy, but they could, um, you know, lead us down this path. Um, you know, Star Wars is, is, uh, is about people who've, who've not only taken the wrong path, but embraced, um, these evil aspects of themselves mm-hmm. because they they covet the power that you know that right. it that it provides them yeah um but it is their choice make no mistake right you know the, these are decisions that they're making these are conclusions they're drawing yeah i agree with you i always i stop a little short of removing anakin's choice i mean certainly uh palpatine is manipulating he's manufacturing events to test um the universe as well as, you know, Anakin specifically. Uh, But yeah, we can't go so far as to remove Anakin from any culpability. At the end of the day, he is responsible for the choices he makes. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. I think that we, we, we run the risk of losing sight of the, what the whole saga is about. Right. Uh, Yeah. But um, totally. So anyway, so we've got Ray uh, in two different poses. We see her kind of, uh, standing uh, with one hand extended, uh, f- finger spread, jazz hand style, uh, <laughs> and the and the uh, and the lightsaber. It looks like again these are one of the the lightsabers that they're using on set that look like they actually. Uh, we we talked about this um, when we were breaking down the sizzle reel. These are the 
the prop sabers that actually light up. I wonder if they're actually using mass-produced, uh, you know, lightsabers that are made. Tubes. They're made available to the public. Oh. Mm. You know, just like you're. Uh, I, I, I'm not really up to speed on who's making all the the replica sabers these days, but um, I, I wonder if it's come that far to where you know, back in the old days, we used to buy replicas of the props that they use in the films nowadays are they using yeah the the mass-produced uh you know things that us, us normal consumers can pick up i i, I don't i i i would be surprised if they weren't yeah you know yeah yeah uh, life imitating art imitating life yeah and then we see another photo of her in a very uh iconic jedi pose with uh one foot out and you know holding both holding the blade with both hands Ready for battle, ready to spring ahead. Um, Classic hero stance. There you go. Absolutely. Um, now we've got uh, Kylo Ren. We've got two shots of Kylo Ren. Um, the the most notable, noticeable change for me that, that I've seen in between uh, Kylo in Force Awakens and Kylo in Last Jedi is the material that they use for the cape. The cape mm-hmm. seems uh, almost leathery. It's a le- right. It kind of reminds me more of like Batman's cape in a way. Yes, yes. I had Headless Horseman. Remember this oh, Tim Burton right, Sleepy right, Hollow? right, with uh, Christopher Walken. Yeah, right. Yeah, and Ray Park is the, oh, as the yeah. Headless Horseman. Right. He did the stunt work in that. That's right. But uh, if you notice, Kylo's wearing what appears to be a lot of leather. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the, the material going around his arms look very. It looks very similar to what he was wearing in uh, TFA. But the rest of the outfit not as tattered. Yeah, as he's he, as he was not as tattered. Good point. So yeah. he's uh you know he's he's got heavier material probably because he kept tearing up all of his old stuff, um, and then it looks like he's got leather pants on. Yeah, right. Which is I mean that's about as bold a fashion statement as you want to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 tunic seems very similar. You know the the uh, the shirt, but uh, good eye, Jim. That that you don't have that sort of beat up. Uh, look about it. It looks fresh. It looks it looks new. So you know he's got a he's got more of a reputation to keep now. Mm-hmm. And of course the scar. Oh yes, cross, crossing over the eye as opposed to between you know on the bridge of the nose and between the eyes, as it was depicted in uh, TFA. Yeah. But hey, I can roll with that. The I'm helmet doesn't look like they've that. changed it at all. No, same helmet. Yeah, you know, if it works for you, it works right, for you. Right, right. Uh, finally, rounding things out, we've got a shot of Captain Phasma. No big noticeable changes that I can see in the outfit. Still uh, clad in the uh, the chromed armor. And then the we've got the, the big flowing cape there with the red lining. Um, it looks like a different type of weapon here. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but this sort of spear-like staff. Yeah, is new. Big giant spike. Yeah, yeah so right. you'll imagine a, f- a few people will be taking that into the gut. I hope. Very if, medieval. Uh, very medieval. Although you can probably you know, talk her out of it pretty quickly. Just yeah, throw her in a trash compactor, and that's <laughs> it. Now I'm looking forward to the Phasma book that's coming out and comic series for that matter um, this fall, and it's going to explain what happened when they threw her into that trash compactor. All oh, right, right. So it should be cool. 
So that's good, yeah. man. Good look at these, uh, you know, our first, like, great pictures from uh, the of these characters that we're seeing. So uh, I'm sure they're floating around out there somewhere on the dark web. But uh, you'll you'll find them, and uh, they'll probably be made uh, super public very soon. Yeah. Because I'm predicting we'll be seeing the trailer soon. Someone asked us on Twitter earlier today, when do you think the trailer's coming? And so that compelled me to look up what the release date was for the trailer of, uh, of uh, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Because I figured, yeah, that, that'll give us a, a really solid ballpark, much more so than... The Force Awakens did because they started the promotional push for The Force Awakens way earlier than the window that that they're allowed to to use nowadays. So when I looked up that Rogue One trailer, I noticed that the release date for the uh, first full trailer, because all all we've seen at this point is just the the teaser. Mm -hmm. But the release date for the first full trailer was August 11th. 2016. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know, we're, we're in the last weekend of July. So I wouldn't be surprised if they don't stick to that same schedule here for The Last Jedi. And we'll be seeing that trailer in the next couple of weeks. Well, that would be great. That would be real great. That would be great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I loved the, the sizzle reel. I thought it was great. I know, Jim, you said it was a bit of a letdown, but you were going into... I didn't say that on the show. I didn't say that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All I, and I, well, what no, I no, mean, no, no, no. I... What, no, what you did say on the show was that compared to a, a trailer, you were not looking forward to a sizzle reel. You really no, wanted a trailer. No, I'd much rather see yeah. a trailer. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And I, I thought that the situation over the p- past few weeks with D23 and then Comic-Con... Um, I thought the situation was great for the release of a trailer. Yeah. But uh, if they are sticking to that same schedule that they did with Rogue One or within that ballpark, then we we can expect to see the trailer here in August. I hope, knock on wood. Yeah. But I am surprised we have not seen it to this point with those two big conventions. What, what schedule did Force Awakens follow with their schedule? Well, see, it's Where hard to fall? say because they released their teaser trailer a full 13 months before the film came out. You don't have that luxury now with Star Wars films because you have movies being released so often. So I'm trying to establish a pattern from last year to this year because it's the only real opportunity we're going to have to do that. They're going to have to start promoting the young Han Solo film upon release of The Last Jedi. And I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a trailer for the young Han Solo film with with The Last Last Jedi. Jedi? Yeah, That'd be cool. I mean, why not? You have your, your audience there. Give them a trailer. Yeah. You see trailer for other Marvel films before you see a Marvel film, Mm -hmm. and that all kind of is contained within the same universe. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you show the young Han Solo trailer prior to The Last Jedi? I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Or Or at the very end, you know, a post-credits thing. At the end, stick around. So everyone walks out of the theater talking about young Han Solo instead of The Last Jedi. No. <laughs> you put it. You put it at the front. <laughs> I don't think it's too much to handle. I don't know. I don't know. Um, 
so this was interesting. So earlier today, I think it actually, um, what day is today here? I think it broke yesterday. Yeah, it broke yesterday that um, Spencer Wilding, who played uh, Darth Vader in Rogue One, was going to be in the Han Solo movie. In fact, it was sort of a double whammy. We we thought that we got two confirmations. We we thought that we got Spencer Wilding and Warwick Davis. Well, we got one of the two. Uh, Warwick Davis via Twitter uh, from Ron Howard and his own Twitter um, is confirmed to have joined the Han Solo movie cast. But even though sources revealed that Spencer Wilding was going to be in the last Jedi. He has confirmed via it was Facebook, right, Jim? Facebook. Yeah, it was Facebook that he on Spencer's personal Facebook page. Yeah, that he will not be in the Han Solo standalone film. Let me see if I can pull this up here so we can read. The- I'll give you a little bit of background to this whole story. Yeah, please do. OK, this was first brought to my attention by a, a friend of mine, uh, Matt who is a, a guy, uh, he's, he's a Midwestern guy. He's somewhere around the Chicago area because I always see him at Star Wars uh, events. Um, he might be from Indiana. I'm not sure. But he is a proud member of the 501st, someone who often dresses as Darth Vader. And um, he brought it to, to our attention that there was going to be a big Comic-Con show and, uh, in, in Louisville. Okay, they're going to have a big convention there. It's called Fandom Fest mm-hmm. in Louisville. Fandom Fest, which is going to be happening this weekend. And under the uh, subcategory on their website, cancellations, um, it says Spencer Wilding will be unable to attend as he will be filming the newest film in the Star Wars universe. Spencer will be coming back next year. Mm-hmm. So they may have put that up there just by jumping to their own conclusion. But that got people talking, and that got my friend Matt talking, too. And and so Matt was like, wow, this is incredible. This means Darth Vader is going to be in the young Han Solo film, because that's the only movie that's currently being shot in the Star Wars universe, is the young Han Solo film. So everyone started jumping to the conclusion, and then a couple of days later, once you know it, it blew up. Probably Matt sent it out to a bunch of people. And uh, people started seeing that and saying, well, geez, you know, he, they're bringing Darth Vader back. Maybe that's how they're going to save the young Han Solo film, is they're going to bring back Darth Vader. The thing I pointed out to Matt was, well, maybe he does have a role in the film, but maybe not Darth Vader. We don't need to jump to that conclusion. There's lots of actors who have played multiple roles in the Star Wars universe, Warwick Davis being one of them. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe we shouldn't jump to the conclusion. Maybe he's playing a different character. But as it turns out, today, Spencer decided to clear it up on his personal Facebook page. And uh, let the world know that uh, that was something that was being inaccurately reported. Yep. So no Spencer Wilding, but we do get Warwick Davis. So Warwick Davis, as uh, Jim mentioned, will continue his long tradition of being in Star Wars. This is uh, how many Star Wars movies is this for Warwick now? Well, he was uh, Wicked in Return of the Jedi. He was Walden Weasel in The Phantom Menace. He uh, did not appear again until, 
I guess until the Force Awakens. Are we right? sure? Are we sure about that? Am I skipping one? I don't want to cheat him. Mm. He played Weasel, who was sitting up in Watto's box watching the pod racing, yeah. and he played Wald, right. who was right. part of Anakin's pit crew. He's very wizard. He's he's very he's wizard. And um, I, yeah, I don't think he appeared in another Star Wars film until The Force Awakens, well, and he's barely seen. There. He's barely seen in the film. Because he's right. in Maz Kanata's palace, and J.J. Uh, must have had a full pot of coffee that morning when he was shooting that scene, because he figured, let's just race through the damn thing and not show anyone anything. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. So, yeah, so 1999's Phantom Menace, and then we don't see him again in a Star Wars film until... You're right. So The Force Awakens. I thought that they might have stuck him in uh, one of the other prequels, but... Uh, Definitely not. And also, you have to consider they shot episodes two and three in Australia. Mm. So you don't have Warwick locally around anymore. And he's also, you know, Warwick during that time was very busy with things like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and, of course, Harry Potter. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he played multiple roles in Harry Potter, too. Yes, so, he did. Uh, what Spencer Wilding has to say is, uh, I'll just read his post. He mm-hmm. says, hi, guys, and to all the world of fans from Star Wars, there's a rumor out there saying, I'm in the new Han Solo film. What it is is I had to cancel on a show called FandomFest.com stateside because I'm doing a charity visit at a school called Cobram Secondary College and a special needs school over in lovely Australia to meet all the awesome kids and very talented kids that are very impressive. I just wanted to let you know that I am not 100% not filming on Star Wars. The Comic-Con promoters of the show put one and one together and got 69, LOL. I swear to God, that's what he typed. I, I'm not making this up. They put one in, one and one together and got 69. LOL. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> naughty, naughty. <laughs> he is, he says, naughty, uh, they Vader. Just, behave. He says they just guessed why he can't. Oh, behave, Vader. Uh, <laughs> Groovy, baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah baby. Yeah. baby. <laughs> All right, guys. That's enough. That is enough. I hope oh, my gosh. Okay, so Spencer not in it. And, of course, that did, like you said, Jim, it caused everybody to speculate that, oh, my God, if Spencer Wilding's in this movie, that immediately must mean that Darth Vader's in it and I started thinking about that, and I was like, okay, would it make sense to throw Darth Vader into this film in the context of perhaps Han Solo crossing paths with him? And so I thought I would just ask you guys, what, what do, we, do we assume um, when Han Solo sees Darth Vader in Cloud City at that uh, fancy dining room table, uh, do do we assume that he knows immediately who he is? Do we? Yes. I mean, obviously he, he knows, knows he's a bad guy. He's flanked by by stormtroopers, but does he know Darth Vader? Now he does see Darth Vader and Obi Wan dueling. Yes. On the Death Star. So, and that's probably something you don't forget. Yeah, that's all you need to see. Yeah. You take you take one look at that, and that's burned into your memory forever. So you don't really need to create some sort of. Uh, origin of Han Solo's, you know, knowledge of who Darth Vader is. 
it's no. already in. It's 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 unnecessary for the the overall saga and the franchise. Now I know these are standalone films, right, right? And I also know that most people considered the Darth Vader sequence at the end of Rogue One their favorite part of the movie. Yep. Hmm. So you know, and then you have a, a young Han Solo production that's been plagued with troubles. So it might be the the quick fix. Well, just put Vader in there. Yeah, everybody loves but Vader. I, I hope I hope that doesn't happen. I I can't imagine there being any connection because it just that that's why I always loved that dining room scene on Cloud City because it was such an a kind of unnatural pairing like whoa Han Solo versus Vader yeah um, right you know I mean because yeah. Vader never showed any interest in Han or any concern about oh the you know. He never talks about uh, there being uh, some smuggler out there causing me havoc. I mean, they they come from completely unrelated worlds, um, yeah. and and based on what Han has to say about mysticism earlier in the movie, um, oh know, right, obviously right, he's not he's not in tune to that. You know, the whole kind of occult world or whatever you want to call it that Vader exists in. I mean, that's not even in his realm of thinking. Right. So it would, you know, be, which, yeah, it would be kind of sideways. Yeah. And, and there's a weightiness to that, that again, you know, that cloud city scene that was always so cool to me because there was like, these are two guys that really, I, I, it, you know, it, it, it's just such a, 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 a collision of, of two worlds there. Yeah. It's like Han Solo and Vader in the yeah. same room, you know. And it's the only time that you really, you know, that, that those it. two ever really cross paths. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. Han does shoot Vader, you know, away from the Death Star, giving Luke the, the clear path to take the, the fatal shot. But um, beyond that, you know, they don't really they don't really cross paths. Um, yeah, I mean, you get a sense that Han wouldn't even take Vader seriously if he knew about him. Anyway, yeah, right, you know? right, right, exactly. He might, yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I, to establish some some background there, uh, some history between the two characters seems to really cut against the grain of what we already know. Now, I, you know, I, I'm open-minded enough to, to, to revisit some of the things we already know. I mean, I think that, that the new movies are, are doing that in, in some, some arenas, but... Uh, uh, that that to me it seems like it wouldn't even really make sense. I mean, it just it really would kind of undermine uh, things, and not 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 in a good way. Well, I, but, I hope wait, I don't but, eat those words. <laughs> well, but we've got uh, confirmation that uh, through uh, Ron Howard's Twitter and 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 Work Davis's Twitter that uh, he, Work Davis is going to be in the Han Solo film. So, uh, what's it going to be? I, I is think... it going to be Weasel? Is it going to be Wald? Or is it going to be Wicket? <laughs> Unlikely any of the above. It'll be the a return new, of Wicked. It'll hey, be a if new Spencer character. Wilding immediately meant if the prospect of Wilding meant that it was going to be Darth Vader, then we have to assume that Warwick Davis means one of those three, right? Oh, do you think maybe they're casting Warwick as Darth Vader, and that'll throw everyone <laughs> off? <laughs> you can play. You can play Vader's codpiece. Be like Darth Stewie. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. Work Dave is a great guy. Very talented actor. Love of him. course, yes. Um, you know what we need to do? We need to start pulling the strings on those talking Let's dolls. Let's check again. in I, with I, our talking dolls. I mean, these are high-end collectibles here. These took uh, months and months and months of our lives to, and hours waiting in line to get. So let me, uh, let me pull him. All right. We've got... Who do we want to hear from? Who do you from? have? Well, I've got Saw right now. 
Okay, let's hear what Saul has to say. All right, let's let's wind him up. Save the rebellion! All right. (laughs) No, nice. See, he's being a little more motivational now at this point. Yes. What else does he have to say? Let me give another one. Save the dream! (laughs) Oh, the companion lines. Yeah, right. Wow, man. Is there one more here? You got some good pulls there. They came right together. (laughs) Yeah, one more. Are we not still friends? <laughs> I love I love that we have to get to pull the gas mask on this. This is great. Yeah, pull the other thing on Lando and see what he has to say. All right, all right. Where is it? Okay, let me grab my Lando here. I had no choice. I arrived right before you did. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's the scene oh, we were just talking about. The yeah, that was scene. good timing. Wow, yeah, that was good. All right. Now, what about? Let's try to make them talk together. Let's all right. have Saw. Or let's have Lando start the conversation all right. this time. All right, Lando. He's not after you at all. He's after someone I called a Skywalker. <laughs> the pilot, the message, all of it. <laughs> it sounds like they're conspiring about something. It, it sure does. I, you, you know, Saw definitely marches to his own drum. You know, he's kind of out of step with everybody else anyway. So, uh, all right, let's see. We've got a little bit more time here. Let's let's pull Lando's string again or whatever this thing is coming out of here. <laughs> Set a trap for him. Mm. Oh, yes, I I love that moment in the the film. Let me try asking Lando a question. All right, all right, all right. Um, uh, Lando, where's the best place on Cloud City to take a date? When we find Jabba the Hutt and that bounty hunter, we'll contact you. <laughs> okay, well, I guess well, he's going to hold off. Date. He's going to hold <laughs> off on that information. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not talking. He's not talking until he hooks up. Well, let's ask Saw the same question. Saw, where would you take a date on Jeddah City? The pilot, the message, all of it. Oh, oh we got a repeat there. Here we go. One more time. What was that question? Saw, where would you take a date on Jeddah City? Did they send you? Did you come here? Oh, the batteries are running dead, I guess, on that one. Well, see, it took so so long to get here. The batteries are already worn down. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, right, we'll try Lando again. Maybe we can get a few more quotes out of him. All right, here we go. The Empire has taken control of the city. I advise everyone to leave before morning. Yeah, they were... were Ah. Darn it. You know, I had some questions about Lobot and Ugnats. Um, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. And why, why is IG-88 in, in the Ugnat uh, the uh, junk pile? Well, these are questions. Did Lando that take care of him? Unanswered until Jason changes the batteries. But isn't, so I, maybe, wait, isn't IG-88's head used as like a Slurpee machine in the cantina, too? It is. Okay. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he has, he has a... Very colorful history. There's no question about it. <laughs> but you know what I want to do here before we have to wrap up? Mm. I have audio highlights, yes. uh, some interview quotes from the cast and uh, crew of The Last Jedi at D23. So uh, let's start off with Mark Hamill. I, I believe he, he was talking to Access Hollywood here. The first question was, was it hard for him to return to the character of Luke in The Last Jedi? 
it is difficult because you you it's the the character's part of you. Then when you see how he's interpreted by other writers and directors, sometimes it can be surprising. Mm. And in this script, it was very surprising how they decided to uh, use him. Already you've seen. I only know one truth, it's time for the Jedi to end. Would anyone expect that from Luke? And it's filled with that kind of thing. Uh, Ryan Johnson is just a, such a gifted filmmaker and storyteller, but it took me a long time to, because it's radical, uh, and it's, it's a much different film than Force Awakens. Now, I say this not having seen it yet, uh, but uh, just based on the script, it, it's not... I hope we can uh, deliver the thrills and the excitement and the laughter, but it's it's a, a it it seems like a, a a film unto itself. It's very different than Force Awakens, and uh, it's all Ryan, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Yeah, they're definitely. You know, I don't know if this is part of the copy points or talking points, but and and Mark Hamill is is has always been known as uh, I think as a total straight shooter when it comes to interviews and he he definitely speaks from the heart and he's uh doesn't sound like he's just rattling off whatever the you know the the, the pr folks uh gave to him but we are getting prepped for this to be very very different and as we said last week jim you know one of the chief criticisms and there wasn't a lot to be honest there was not a lot of criticism of the force awakens it was largely uh praised and uh you know clearly very successful but the one thing that people kept coming back to was it was too derivative it was too um uh observant of the 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 major beats of a new hope Mm -hmm. and and so they're really going out of their way to say this is very very different but different doesn't always mean bad, and different doesn't always mean good or innovative either. Well, and if Star Wars fans have shown anything over the decades is uh, sometimes a resistance to bringing in elements that could be considered different in the Star Wars. Just look at the prequels. Yeah. Just look at the prequels. Extremely different. From the Star Wars we know of the original trilogy. George went way outside the box. And he had mixed results as far as critical reaction goes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if if the reason they're telling us it's going to be so different is to... So we as a fandom brace ourselves for what they're going to throw at us. Or if it's to... To do something to, to soothe the anxiety of people who said that the Force Awakens was just that retread, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know why that th- th- those people would have to be pacified at all. Maybe it's just because they recognize them as the loudest critics of the film and they want to bring them back. Don't bail on Star Wars. We're just setting the table. Now, what we're bringing out for the main entree here in The Last Jedi is going to be vastly different than anything you've tasted before. How are you going to deal with it? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're always going to have two camps. I think you're going to have the camp that wants to see Star Wars evolve and change and and uh, you know still hold on to its core, but at the same time explore new territory. And then you're going to have those that want to go to the theater and feel the same thing they felt when they saw the, or, you know, the original films, or in, 
subsequent generations case, the the prequels or uh, the Clone Wars or what have you. So everybody kind of has their own definition of what it is. Um, But, uh, you know, the question is, does it just continue to maintain itself or does it does it evolve? Here's another clip from uh, Mark Hamill. They're asking him about um, anything that needed to be changed about The Last Jedi um, with respect to Carrie Fisher, given her untimely passing. Well, nothing was really altered because she'd finished what was required of her. Um, the tragic part of it is that there was so much planned for her in nine. And I'm selfishly angry because she should be here uh, just off camera, flipping me the bird, making me laugh. Um, uh, you know, she should be here for her Emmy nomination. She should be here for eight. She should be here for nine. But, um, you know, she was irreplaceable. And it's just uh, something I still can't get my mind wrapped around. She's, uh, for me, she's in the present tense. Because she was so vital and so, her energy was so strong. And I think people will be really delighted with her performance. So there you go. Uh, Mark Hamill clearly aware of, uh, uh, you know, what what a loss it is, probably more acutely than than uh, virtually anybody having worked so close with her over the years. And I think that they both um, kind of rediscovered each other on the, the convention trail, the convention circuit. Um, and Carrie was one of the first to uh, of the, the the main Star Wars uh, actors to dive in head first and and do a lot of conventions um and clearly their their paths crossed a lot there and then when they were you know filming the movies um but this is uh i there's only been a handful of admissions uh i can try to remember who the other one was it may have been kathleen kennedy who came out and and uh, publicly said that episode nine was going to be her movie Right. I was wondering where Mark was getting that information from, if he's actually seen outlines, if they've made him aware of where the story is going, because that's a very un-Star Wars-like thing. You know, usually the actors just know what they need to know for the specific film they're working on, and they don't even receive a, an entire script a lot of times. Yeah, they just get sides. Mm-hmm. They just, yeah, they just get their scenes. Now, Mark Hamill obviously is... He's, you know, Star Wars royalty, and he's in this for the long haul, I hope. We don't even know if he survives The Last Jedi. They could be calling it because he is The Last Jedi for real. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that, that's going to be uh, hard to handle. That's something that I'm really trying to brace myself for. Is it, it was almost a foregone conclusion that Han Solo was going to be killed off in the sequel trilogy. Did we know for sure it was going to happen on The Force Awakens? Well, I think we had an educated uh, guess about it. And uh, sure enough, it did come true. And it was really shocking when it happened, even though we'd been bracing ourselves for that. Have we been bracing ourselves for the death of Luke Skywalker? Have we been doing that? I don't know. I I, I certainly think that that's going to be really on the top of my mind as I walk into that movie theater in December. Is Luke going to make it out of here alive? And how shocking will it be to see his death? Maybe he'll have a a, a very distinguished passing a la Yoda did, you know? Mm. Or maybe it'll be violent like Han and Ben and, and, you know? So 
We'll just have to wait and see. But that's the one thing I'm bracing myself for the most. Now, Carrie Fisher, on the other hand, right, Jason, we have heard rumblings that Carrie was supposed to have a a, a really prominent role in Episode 9. How much does Mark know when he makes that statement? Is it just something he's heard like we did? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that he knows for a fact? Maybe Mark was aware of where the story was going. And... Now, all of a sudden, he has to reset and consider how, if he is to continue the character of Luke Skywalker, mm-hmm. how he'd approach I th- it. I think it was true. And I, I, that part of it is just very sad. And I think it's something that uh, uh, fans, we're all going to have to deal with in a, in a way that's different from what the stories have led us through before. And let me tell you what I mean. I mean, I've never really given a lot of credence to um, people saying that whichever movie, a prequel or maybe Force Awakens or something, it ruined their experience, it ruined their childhood or their experiences of the earlier movies. I've never found that any movie can really take away whatever experience I already have (laughs) of Star Wars or anything. I mean, Mm -hmm. your experience is your experience. It's it's pretty much set. It's not really going to change. Um, I think you can learn to see things from different sides and stuff, and I, I I get that. But your experience is pretty much what it what it what it was. Um, you gain more understanding or more appreciation of it as the years go by. But I I don't think anything ever ruins a good experience you had. It it, it, it remains so. Um, but the, you know the death of Carrie and, and none of the movies. I, I I think whatever happens with Luke, what happened with Han. Um, you know, I thought what happened with Han was very profound. I I think that there's still a lot of uh, uh, a lot of things that need to be um, resolved about Han's death. You know, that I'm kind of looking forward to exploring in the new movies. Um, you know, if if Luke uh, uh, meets his end, I I don't know that I'm bracing myself in the way that my brother was referring to, but I I think I can handle it. But there, but Carrie. Uh, Fisher passing away, that's one thing that we're just going to have to deal with. That's not going to change. I mean, she's not going to be back for another movie. Right. And and that that part of it is sad and kind of hard to accept. I have a hard time accepting that. But it is what it is. I, I mean, I can't change it. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, so when I hear Mark talking about that, when when I, I think about in, the, in that sizzle reel, there, there's a brief shot showing him and Carrie offset just kind of candidly laughing mm-hmm. and it made me think of that original uh uh who's the narrator robert conrad uh who, who narrated the original uh making a star yes. wars yeah. mm-hmm. and they're sitting there's just there's a couple of shots of them that i love where they're sitting on like the edge of the death star set yes and mark is wearing street clothes and she's in costume and they're and he's cracking her up about something you know yes. and um Boy, I just, you know, I, I, I would see that when I was a kid and, and think, number one, God, it looks like a lot of fun what they're doing. And number two, these folks really seem to like each other, and that comes across in their characters. And uh, it, it looked like they, you know, they might have been tapping into that a little bit. And I, I think if there's one thing that I can comfort myself with 
I, I don't know if I can. I, I guess I'll, I'll find out when the new movie comes out, when Last Jedi comes out. I'm hoping that we'll get to see Luke and Leia together again. Yes. At least we'll have that. Right. Um, but we, we may not even have that, because I don't even know. But I'm, I'm hoping we do, and, and, and at least we'll, we'll have that to take away. But uh, uh, that, that, that doesn't change the fact that Carrie won't be back. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I, just, I have to deal with that, but it, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I think we're all kind of dealing with that on a different level than than the story right. developments. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought there was a fairly reasonable and uh, fix for that, and that was simply to recast the character for the for the for the final film. Uh, if they had mm-hmm. something that was so uh, that they liked so much, that was so fulfilling, that was going to give the character of of, of Princess Leia. Um, her due and give her her moment, then it seems a, a shame given how many fans there are of that character. Of course, fans of Carrie Fisher as well. Um, they're kind of one and the same in a sense, but in another sense, they're not. The character lives on in uh, uh, comic books and in novels and in uh, toy lines and uh, perhaps, uh, well, in animated series. So, well, the good the good part about it is is that there's a lot of smart people about it uh, or involved in it, and um, and uh, you know, no matter how much we sit around and speculate, uh, their imaginations will probably produce something that we we never even thought of ourselves. Yeah. So, I, I'm you know I'm 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 willing to wait and see how that unfolds at this point, and I, I hope that they uh, are able to make it satisfying. A final quote here from uh, Mark Hamill, a question that's on so many minds. Well, what makes this movie so different from other Star Wars films? As we're hearing it, it's very different, but what's so different about it? Two words, Ryan Johnson. This guy is so gifted as a writer, as a director, just as a person. He's so easygoing. He's not a hollerer. There's no great tension on the set. Uh, he's so open and collaborative. Um, and I told him, I was shocked at how he saw Luke and how he used Luke. It took me a while to get my head around it, but once you commit, your job is to try to realize the director's vision as best you can. And even though I disagreed with some of it, in time I realized how wrong I was. That. It, it was unexpected in a good way. You don't, unexpected is good in a Star Wars film because you've seen so much and we have to find another way to uh, throw a curveball and keep the audience on the edge of their seat, hopefully. Yeah, he does have a point there. He does have a point. Uh, and I think I'm definitely, I, I, I'm, I'm president of the club here where I do uh, prefer... Star Wars to stay sort of in a comfort zone for me, uh, but I also know that that's very very limiting. It's limiting for me as a as a as a longtime fan, and I think it's limiting for new fans coming into the Star Wars universe. So I have to be much more open minded. Um, the, the thing that the, the thing that is such a struggle for me with with Star Wars is that um, those characters. And those archetypes are written in in such a way that 
it's very easy to, as as Paul Bateman would say, go off model um, with with the way the characters portrayed. And I don't mean necessarily visually and costumes and all that, but I mean the way that the characters are written, how they interact with each other. There's something so specific about it, and yet so elusive in terms of you know my ability to articulate what it is. And we've had you know some great you know Star Wars. Uh, uh, scholars on over the over the years from you know Kyle our buddy Kyle Newman to to Sam Whitwer who's really able to explain I think uh, perhaps uh, as well as anybody what makes Star Wars unique in terms of its style and its tone and um, so I think as long as Ryan Johnson can present some of these curveballs that Mark's talking about but still within the same style and tone that makes it feel like Star Wars. Uh, I'm all for it, but I don't like different just for the sake of different. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Mark had some hesitation and some reservation about the direction in which the character Luke goes in in this film. He seems to have resolved those issues he had by going through the process of shooting the film, etc., and coming to terms with the development of his character by someone other than George Lucas, too, by the way. Um, He does speak about how it's very collaborative, however. So maybe Mark was able to put some of his fingerprints on the character of Luke. But I believe when Mark says he was unsure about the direction Ryan Johnson was taking the character of Luke, he is basically being a spokesperson for all of fandom. Yes. If Mark Hamill feels that way about the character, what's a Joe Schmo fan going to think? Like like me. What am I going to think about it? Well, I think Mark is again preparing ourselves. Quite honestly, I felt like the character growth of Luke Skywalker from Star Wars to Empire to Jedi... I feel like he went really far. I felt like the character saw some extreme growth over the course of those three films, so much to the point where I feel like the Luke Skywalker we see in Return of the Jedi is vastly different from the Luke Skywalker we see Mm -hmm. in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And that might be hard for some uh, younger fans to understand because you watch all the films at once. But back in the 70s, when we had time to let these characters build in our own minds. Three years. Between each film. Right. So you, you, you come into Empire. I find that the Luke at the beginning of Empire is consistent with the Luke at the end of Star Wars. But he goes through so much in that film that by the time we hook up with him in Return of the Jedi, he's, to me... A vastly different character. He seems very, very serious about everything. Everything is dire. And it should be for the character. That That's only natural considering everything he's gone through. But I also felt like a lot of the enthusiasm that Luke portrayed in Star Wars and Empire was sapped out of his system mm-hmm, by the time of mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. And I feel like um, some of the playful nature of his character was also stripped by the time of Return of the Jedi? Well, his youthfulness, yeah. Yes. He became, he became a man. The know? innocence of youth. And we grew up with Luke. And that's fine. You know, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the film for that way. I'm just telling you what my honest thoughts and feelings were as the original trilogy was unfolding in front of me during the late 70s, early 80s. Right. 
Now, we have a ton of audio left from D23. We're going to push it back one more week. I think Steve Glosson's going to join us next week to help us break down some of this audio. So if we can work it out with Steve, Great. that would be awesome to have him uh, riding along in the uh, passenger seat with us, just like Billy Mack has done all, uh, all night tonight. But I want to just uh, get to some more recent audio from Mark Hamill, specifically from this week. Mark appeared on The Late Late Show with James Corden. And there was some discussion with Mark about the potential of, like with the young Han Solo film, what would it be like to have a, a young Luke Skywalker film? And would Mark Hamill be on board with this? So here's Mark Hamill from The Late Late Show with James Cord. You'll also hear Anna Ferris there with them. She was also uh, part of the uh, the show that night. And uh, as uh, James Corden uh, tells us, Anna Ferris is a gigantic Star Wars fan. Someone said, are you going to make a, you know, they're making a young Han Solo film. Are you going to make a long, young Luke Skywalker film? And I thought, boy, what a boring film that would be. I mean, you think? No. Well, but, no. Because it would be me on the farm at age 12 or something. I mean, yeah. the whole point of the original film was that he'd never had any sort of uh, experience like that. So, you know, I don't think there's a... I would watch it. You'd watch it. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Who did Luke lose his virginity to? That is a great question. Thank you. Thank you. I'm totally taking over your job. It's a great question. Who was it? And was it fun? (laughs) Do they ever address adult sexuality in those movies? I must have missed that. (laughs) Well, no, but that's our point. They don't. They don't. It's like the ultimate good news, bad news. The good news is there's one attractive woman in the entire galaxy. Bad news is she's your sister. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard him use that line. Yeah, it's before. a great one. It's a great. That is one. a good one. Uh, but so you know, Mark just catching us up to speed. You know, I mean, think about it. A young Luke Skywalker film. What would you include in that? Well, obviously, um, you know, racing around in Beggars Canyon back home. You know, targeting womp rats. Do you remember out that with Marvel comic oh, that yeah. had that? As a matter of fact, I gave that Marvel it was comic. One of to uh, Jason one year for Christmas. It's right. a Marvel Comics team. Still have Daydreaming and the Falcon. It's right? called Crucible. And uh, it's, it's a great comic, especially for the era. Okay, mm-hmm. we're about a year removed from Star Wars at this point. Maybe a little more. And Marvel gives us his comic that basically is a prequel to the events of Star Wars. And it features Luke and Biggs. And uh, they, they're racing sky hoppers. They're dealing. They're shooting rat rats, and they're Beggar's getting attacked. Canyon. They're they're at Beggar's Canyon. They're getting attacked by uh, Tuscan Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uncle Owen is in it. He's just as grizzled as ever. And uh, it's it's one of the greatest stories, flashback stories told within the Star Wars universe. And so that's the the old vintage Marvel comics line, Marvel Star Wars. It's called Crucible. And uh, it's definitely worth checking out. We're not talking about the new Marvel comics here, guys. This is uh, vintage stuff, so be sure to check that out. Level Force Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody! (laughs) All right, Ron Howard uh, putting himself into more of uh, the Star Wars universe with a mashup that he did recently online. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, ever watched the show Arrested Development. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and Ron show. Howard served as the narrator for that right, show. Right. So, Much like, you know, with the Wonder Years when you had Daniel Stern narrating that or Pat Oswalt with the Goldbergs. Right. Very similar technique they used to uh, move Although the story was, along. He wasn't a character, though. He was just a narrator, right? He was just the narrator, yeah. He was not anybody actually on the show, I don't think. No, he's just telling the story of the Bluths. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so he decided to. Um, I, I don't know who else pro- who produced this, but uh, apparently they were able to get Ron Howard to do this, and he narrates what is sounds like the young Han Solo movie. Yeah, this is from the guys at Nerdist. But what they're basically doing is taking clips from the original trilogy and uh, splice them together to allow Ron Howard the opportunity to provide some of that classic Arrested Development narration. They call it Arrested Rebellion. And (laughs) so we have a clip. Here's a little clip just to give you a taste of what uh, Ron Howard's Arrested Rebellion is all about. You've never heard of the Millennium Fall? He didn't. Should I have? What a piece of junk. It actually looked pretty good. I thought running Imperial starships, not the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking about the big Carillion ships now. Both things he just said were lies. It's a ship that made the Kessel <laughs> run in less than 12 parsecs. Well, kinda. But he had another problem he had to deal with. <laughs> Luckily, that worked too. And so the guys went to work. The princess, she's here? Princess, she's rich. Guess who liked that idea? Rich. In three hours, they had done $45,000 in damage. (laughs) (laughs) $45,000. You know, that's on the Death Star, yeah. Of course, yeah. And I I thought that um, this was some fresh audio from Ron Howard. I don't think it is. I think this is just uh, them taking some of that narration. From from the series, and then spl- obviously spicing it in with uh, Star Wars. But I, I thought this was some fresh work from Ron. But I, after hearing that, I, I, it sounds very choppy. I don't think it is. <laughs> I mean, it's right. very well There's done. There's nothing specific in what he says. Exactly. There's nothing specific, yeah. And I, I think he's a little busy right now with the multi-million dollar uh, production that's way behind schedule. He's not sitting around farting around with the guys at the Nerdist. <laughs> no. No, oh, a parody. Not. Let's do it. <laughs> no, stop. No Star Wars parodies. <laughs> All right, our old friend Din returns here to Rebel Force Radio to debut another Star Wars-inspired song, Rebel Girl. But before we hear it, Jimmy Matt caught up with Din to talk about this new tune. Hey, Jimmy, how's it going? Good, man, good. F-105, that's the name of your band. You have a new song called Rebel Girl on Rebel Force Radio. And I just wanted to reach out to you so you can tell us a little bit about it. Let's start off with what the song is, what it's all about. I guess I wanted to make a a song that my two uh, nieces would like, sort of as an experiment to see, oh, you know, if I could reach them. And it could reach sort of a young, younger female audience. It's really, you know, obviously big in Star Wars right now with Rogue One and Last Jedi and Forces of Destiny and all that. So um, we're making, F-105 is making our debut album. It's pretty much all recorded. And we had a song called Toronto Girl. And then I was on the streetcar the other day and I just started singing Rebel Girl in my head. And I realized... Um, this is a, I could change the lyrics slightly and it would be a song that I could 
I could just sort of experiment with and see if my two nieces who love, you know, my, my niece, uh, Lily, we call her Lily Ray. She yeah. loves Ray. So it's like, if I can make a song that's kind of hero's journey, sort of a follow up to RFR, but that connects to her that I'd have something. So we rewrote the lyrics and I, I, uh, then it's a matter of like <laughs> convincing my bandmates and, uh, producer and engineers and even label, like, can we change the lyrics of this song and make a different version? And, they all got really excited, especially when they heard that you'd uh, you'd have it on. They got super excited. They loved your show. And we went back into the studio and, and read the lyrics to Rebel Girl. Wow. The other thing about Rebel Girl and Rebel Force Radio is, is that there was a, a nostalgic element for me where I was fondly remembering the history of RFR and how much you guys supported when no one else was Ahsoka and the Clone Wars. And I mean, that show was really built with you guys promoting, I think being the only ones that were really promoting it. And I grew with that show on Ahsoka and you guys. It was like one of the best periods of my life, really. And also when you guys had, uh, I, I didn't even know there was such thing as a fangirl. I knew, I mean, actually fanboys. I first heard about that through Kyle's movie on your show. And um, I was new to fandom. And then fangirls, I first heard Teresa Delgado and fangirls going rogue. In your um, in your network, which is Shot Glass Digital at the time, so Rebel Girl is really just a celebration of all that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. That's really kind of you to say that. I, I very much appreciate that. And so it's going to make its worldwide debut here on Rebel Force Radio in just a few minutes. But yes, I, and I, I can't thank you enough for that. You know, it's through yeah. you guys we actually have gotten an audience. So that's like the most amazing thing in the galaxy, and, in the world. The song is going to be made available online, right? It will. Uh, I will make everything available as soon as the uh, the podcast is out to uh, to time it with you guys. Perfect. And we also have a music video. We do. I uh, I obsessively spent about two weeks working uh, about half a day every day on this thing. It's a, it's sort of cut to Star Wars uh, female characters yeah, and- with some live footage of us playing it. How did Carrie Fisher's passing come into play with this? Ah, uh, you know what? That's really interesting. I've always, I've always been a Luke guy. You know, since I was a kid, when when Luke walked the plank, all dressed in black, and caught the saber from R two, I just wanted to be Luke. That's why I still. Every time I go on stage, I dress in black because actually, my my thing is I want to feel like Luke. <laughs> like entering a palace like every club i play is sort of like jabba's <laughs> palace and that's a silly way to put me get me pumped no no it's kick, nothing wrong with that at all i think and it, it's like completely literal you know like that's exactly what i'm thinking when i go on stage and um and uh i never really considered how much carrie fisher meant to me until i was actually making the song and cutting the video and sort of just doing it Doing going through the process of trying to to write a song for for like my nieces really made me just I guess put me in a reflective reflective mood about Carrie Fisher and how much just how awesome she was you know and so we at the end of the video there's a short little after credits clip of she's like into the garbage chute flyboy it's like she's just awesome oh that's I never, cool I, I didn't really consider it as much until now you know. It took your artistic endeavors to sort of open up some realization about your connection to Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to be totally honest, which is probably the best thing to be, it's like 
maybe maybe even with girls I date, maybe I'm always kind of looking for that independent sort of sassy, intelligent, um, you know, powerful kind of girl. It's weird. No, yeah. it's great, actually. And it's cool that she continues to inspire the the video, the music video is so cool. It can be found uh, on YouTube. We have it up on rebelforceradio.com. So people oh, can go and check so it much. out. And, uh, of course... You got uh, the right link because I, I sent you about 10 different links every time. Yes, <laughs> I yes. thought the video was done and then I'd improve it. It's it's true when you're doing video. It's like it's it's not done until the day it has to go out. When you, when you sent me the video the first time, I said, you know what? I'm going to sit on this for a little while because I know he's going to be <laughs> going back to the well over and over again and tweaking this thing. So let's just wait till he's satisfied. Uh, but yeah. I, but I, I get it. I get what you're doing. You know, you send it to me early because you're excited about it. And... And, uh, and and you just want to spread it around the world. So that's what we're going to do right now here on Rebel Force Radio. It's the world premiere of Din and his band F-105. The song is Rebel Girl on Rebel Force Radio. You can find it at F105music.com. Follow uh, F-105 on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, and Twitter. And kick back right now, relax, and enjoy. Rebel Girl on Rebel Force Radio. Thanks a lot, Din. Really appreciate it. Empire's flags are all around. She says it's easier to keep her head down. She looks at you strange when you say this ho. That's how rebellions work, don't you know? Yeah. 
Well, that's going to wrap things up for us this week here at Rebel Force Radio. It was such a pleasure to have Billy Mack with us. Bill, thank you so Yay! much. Dude, it always goes by so fast. And we still have not gotten a Corvette summer, which, you know, <laughs> I was promised. Again. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, we should have been recording the hour and a half. You and I just bantered back and forth while Jim was working looking for his splitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was some good that stuff. Been, that would have been our own rush hour, you know. <laughs> We're gonna. Would you? You know what's funny about that show is that I always, I always seem to pull in my driveway right when, right when you are. Well, <laughs> it's a conspiracy that show rush hour. One of the things I enjoy about it. But thank you for having me. Always a pleasure coming yeah. here, and I, I can't wait for the next one. Uh, also, big thanks to our uh, good friends at Casper. Don't forget, go to casper.com slash RFR. Use promo code RFR to get $50 towards any mattress purchase. And also our friends at Tops and the Star Wars Card Trader app. I'm sure it's just a matter of time before they'll be dropping some Last Jedi cards on us. Have they yet, Jim? Anything like uh, concept no. art or anything? No, sure no. Coming- but, uh, probably the first thing they do, and, and they'll wait until... Force Friday, most likely, before we start seeing anything from The Last Jedi on the app. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of those images come from some of the leaked images we were talking about on this show. Ah. Oh. Yeah. All right. That means you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could be. You are correct, sir. Uh, don't forget about RFR All Access. That's available on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash RFR, and you'll never miss an episode of our bonus content, including... As Bill mentioned, RFR Rush Hour, RFR Rewind, and the RFR Q&A. Plus, we've got giveaways. We've got uh, early access to Rebel Force Radio events and so much more. And you support the broadcast here. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash RFR. If you'd like to email us, we can, you can do so. Email uh, show at rebelforceradio.com. That's the address. You can leave us a voicemail at 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. And uh, we are on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, and at Jason Swank. Uh, Facebook, you can check out uh, the breaking news as it happens, links to stories you won't find anywhere else in great conversation. That's all at Facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio, the only place on Facebook to find Rebel Force Radio. And the official website for all things and everything Rebel Force Radio is RebelForceRadio.com. You can check out all the archives, listen to the old shows. And there's even a link to our store where you can get Rebel Force Radio t-shirts and other merch. We appreciate that. also helps us here at Rebel Force Radio. Uh, iTunes still remains one of the best places to subscribe and review podcasts of all types. We hope that you'll subscribe to us here at Rebel Force Radio. And uh, leave us a review. Just one rule, please. Make them good. And you can find us streaming online at WGNplus.com. We're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about any other podcatcher or any place you can find podcasts on the web. We're an official friend of Wikipedia, the ultimate online Star Wars encyclopedia, Wikipedia.com. And we're found weekly on JediNews.co.uk, Yodasnews.com, and the official website, StarWars.com. Until next time, we'll see you. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And I'm Billy Mack. Nice. And remember, the Force will be with you, always.
All right, nice. that's it, fellers. That's a that's a wrap, wrap, partner. Yeah. Want to pull the string one more time? Yeah, pull the string <laughs> one more time. One tends to lose one's mind. <laughs>